0: Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, Spider-Man, why is that thing after me? Maybe it's a bill collector for the Actors Union. You forget to pay your dues? Here to provide analysis, we're expecting analysis, by the way, today, for those lines and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing
1: quite well. Uh, Feeling good. Summertime, as always, is a good time. Uh, by the way,
0: we got big. We got big plans tonight, so I'm excited for uh, it's you. Feeling good.
1: True. Going to have a party, right, James B? <laughs> and all the listeners are invited. I'm not even, not even joking. It's true. Well, one time I was approached by the musicians' union because I had not paid my dues. So this is not a joke, mm. James B. They need their dues, or they're going to come muscle you around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good job, Eddie. It's Marvel Team-Up, and I don't know why, but I let you do the Marvel Team-Ups. I'm so used to doing these things. The first one's from February of 1984. Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 138 featuring Spider-Man and the Sandman in Starting Over. Written by Tom DeFalco, art by Greg LaRocque and Mike Esposito. The Sandman is attempting
1: to leave behind his life of crime. He finds a peaceful pace to live and gets a job. After finding his landlady's husband roughed up by the Enforcers, Sandman stalks the criminals and comes upon Spider-Man captured. With his newfound sense of righteousness, he attacks the Enforcers and frees Spider-Man. The pair mop up the inept gang, and although Spider-Man thanks Sandman, he says Sandman must still pay for his crimes. Just then. The Sandman jumps on a grenade intended for Spider-Man after the explosion. It appears Sandman is no more, and Spider-Man has second thoughts on what he said to the sandy former criminal. (laughs) Later, Sandman pulls himself together and optimistically continues his new law-abiding life. Notable moment, the first enforcer to successfully attack Spider-Man is... Montana!
0: Yeehaw! So one thing that you said a little bit wrong, which you said that he frees Spider-Man. Technically, he doesn't free Spider-Man. He gets involved in the Enforcers, and Spider-Man's able to escape during the, yes. uh, the distraction. It's, it's important because they don't want to have, like, CMN free Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man turns around and says, like, well, now I'm going to arrest you. You know what I mean? True. So they made sure that, like, he wasn't quite as blatant as that. And, uh, inadvertent,
1: we, yeah. inadvertent freeing. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. He, 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 allowed Spider-Man to escape. Uh, Eddie, some things I enjoyed salmon is having nightmares about Spider-Man vacuuming <laughs> him up. Eddie on page five, there is a panel drawn horizontally. Like the words are horizontal, just one panel in the middle. You literally have to turn the book 90 degrees to read this one panel. It's almost like they couldn't fit with the like, the, the Tetris piece the way they wanted. So like, we'll just do it the way we want. Uh, Eddie, the grenade-throwing leader of the Enforcers is called the Arranger. He looks like a typical mafia accountant with glasses. He's not threatening at all. And of course, he works for the Kingpin, which, as we remember from the last podcast, is the new big bad throughout all these books. And that's, I mean, all these books, because he's also the yeah. bad guy right now in the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man storyline as well. Yeah. So that is some really good stuff in this
1: book yeah they can't shake the kingpin um but there are two new enforcers to try to make their enforcing stronger but
0: overall this gang is just as pathetic as they always were uh i i like that they added those guys i did not even write down their names did you
1: (laughs) i completely ignored them I only mentioned Montana in my my show notes. Let it be known, Sp- Spider Man's spider sense is still gone here, and he has like a broken hand or something. <laughs> he's always got to be super hurt when he's fighting
0: him, so whatever. In the middle of his thought bubble, Spider Man says to the reader, "You know, I need to take out Ox because he's the most dangerous of the enforcers." Eddie,
1: <laughs> we could argue this for a while if we had to, right? <laughs> I
0: I got a minute. <laughs> We've talked about this.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Ox is the slowest of the enforcers. He can eat apples while he fights. While
0: fighting. <laughs> Eddie, I've never owned or read this book, but I don't think there was any part of this book I didn't actually enjoy. Let's see if I feel the same about the next book. It's from March of 1984. Stanley presents Marvel Team 139 featuring Spider-Man and Nick Fury in Everybody Love Somebody Sometime <laughs> by Nothing, Nothing and Nothing because you wrote nothing.
1: Sorry, James B. <laughs> Let me see if my computer will operate fast enough for me to actually read these names. By...
0: Listeners, Eddie had to do six books, <laughs> and he did great on four of them. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> by Carrie Burkhart, Brian Postman,
1: and Mike Esposito. A humanoid dreadnought robot kidnaps a famous actress named Julie Winston, despite Spider-Man's best efforts to stop it. He tags the robot with a spider tracer before it gets away. Julie's boyfriend, Dino, served with the Howling Commandos and goes to Nick Fury for help. Nick tells him he can't help, but it's a trick to make sure his friend Dino is not put in danger. Spider-Man and Nick both independently go after the actress, but the Magia have too many guns. And our heroes find themselves defeated, tied up, and double-crossed by... The actress, who, with the help of the mob, had herself kidnapped. Unfortunately, the mob no longer needs Julie, and in the commotion of her protest, Spider-Man and Fury break out, and Dino takes a bullet for Julie. They fry the Dreadnought circuits and capture the mobsters. Julie and Dino somehow reconcile. Notable moment, in a single panel on page 14, Spider-Man knocks out four thugs with one
0: kick with a wop, walk, thud, and cack. So Nick Fury isn't important to this story. It's the story of a fake kidnapping. That's really all it was. It's not super original. It was a surprise because they spent so much effort on all these characters. And the reason that she was kidnapped made a lot more sense than the reason she was involved Regardless, Eddie, before we break that down a little bit more, I'd like to do a new segment. Oh. Called Segway to Fun Facts. Eddie, today I have some facts about people who fake their own kidnapping. What are you laughing at? It's not even funny yet. So, I have four stories of people who faked their own kidnapping. These are true stories. Okay. Here we go in no particular order. A 37 year old Florida mother of two, Quinn Gray, you know, if you all look this up, went missing in 2009 after posting a ransom note on the front door of her family's $4 million home. She said she'd been abducted by thugs who demanded her husband pay $50,000. But as it turns out, she had hatched a scheme in cahoots with her lover, a 25-year-old gas station employee. <laughs> Two years later, she received a sentence of seven years probation, and she was ordered to pay $43,000 to the sheriff's office for the cost of the investigation. Eddie, she had a $4 million house, and she was demanding fifty grand. Well, when
1: you are all got all your money wrapped up in your house, <laughs> how are you going to buy... It's a jet
0: ski, I guess. (laughs) Hmm. All right. I'm going to bang through the last three a little quicker. Okay. Get your feedback on any one of them in particular. Okay. I can't wait. Police in Coolidge, Arizona, arrested a man for faking his own kidnapping because he didn't want to go to work. A 19 year old college student in Georgia faked his own kidnapping because he feared telling his parents he was flunking a class. And a Brooklyn, New York man faked his own kidnapping to escape the wrath of his girlfriend.
1: (laughs) That's understandable. That can be very scary for a lot of people. So if you're not there, instead of anger, you're going to get sympathy right away. they will be like, oh, I'm so sorry you were kidnapped.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you found these somewhat interesting. And I appreciate everyone listening to our segment called Segue to Fun Facts. Eddie, in this story, did you understand Julie's motivation? Like Dino is in love with Julie and he tells Nick Fury like, hey, I'm in trouble. I, I think that the mob is getting back at me. And they're kidnapping my girlfriend. But did you understand why Julie was, like, faking her kidnapping? This was
1: uh, some scheme to make Dino actually do what the mob wanted him to do, which was content singing at the casino he worked at? No? I think it
0: was she wanted some publicity <laughs> as an actress, <laughs> And she knew Dino would pay the money. Wow. She was told by the mob to get close to him. Right. And then fake the kidnapping. Like, she wasn't in love with him. But when he takes the bullet for her, she suddenly changes her tune,
1: you know? I mean, that's the smart thing to do. She can only get in trouble if she has Dino not on her side. Mm. (laughs) She needs him. Wow. All
0: right. Well, that's our second book. (laughs) Very exciting. (laughs) Eddie, I did not own those first two books at all. Uh, I'd never read them before. But I did own this book here, the third one. It's from April of 1984, Stanley presents Marvel Champ 140 featuring Spider-Man and Black Widow in Where Were You When the Lights Went Out? by Bill Mantlo and Tom DeFalco.
1: As a blackout blankets the city, Spider-Man is unable to stop a shop owner from being shot by a mob of thieves. Because of the mass arrests, Natasha Romanoff is unable to meet her lover, Matt Murdock, for lunch, forcing her to visit him at City Hall. There, Matt Murdoch's feisty client, Juan Santiago, has been arrested for the murder, but Juan vehemently denies he was involved and that it matters little what he says because the system will accuse him regardless. Reading his heartbeat, Murdoch knows Juan is telling the truth. While taking photographs in court, Peter Parker overhears Murdoch talking to Natasha about finding evidence to prove Juan's innocence.
0: Eddie, I was thinking... It's 1984, and Juan is saying, hey, the system's going to accuse him regardless. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, because the system would accuse someone like Juan regardless. (laughs) Unfortunately, probably in this day and age, oftentimes, because he is a young Hispanic man in New York City during a blackout.
0: What do you think about that being in this book, right?
1: It's one of several prominent themes that are in this book. That one's the one that's closely related to the current culture of what's going on. Obviously, the, the writer wants the reader to see this kind of like when Spider-Man talks about like criminals, rights in prisons and all those political themes he used to do back in the late seventies, early seventies, I guess I could say.
0: Yeah. The reason I bring this up is I think this is like a big statement they're trying to make, but they put it in a book that has like two major things going on. And it really just gets completely buried in the story. Like it's, if I don't interrupt you and talk about it here, the listeners aren't going to be like, remember the book that had, you know, Juan and, and daredevil saves him because he can hear his heartbeat and he stands up for him. Right. Because there's a lot of other things that happened in this book. So go ahead and why don't you uh, wrap it up.
1: Well, Spider-Man and black widow end up combining forces to look for evidence and eventually find the murder weapon. After Spider-Man's spider sense is driving him crazy. Uh, he goes to central park where he finds a weird spacecraft that when he touches it, it, transports him to a galaxy far beyond our universe. Back at court, it appears as if Juan will be proven innocent until it emerges that the gun is not actually the murder weapon, forcing law enforcement to re-arrest Juan. Matt promises Natasha that he will find the murder weapon as Daredevil. Notable moment, Matt Murdock gets a read on Peter Parker's vitals and realizes he is (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, that's quite a notable moment. It has to be a big moment to to beat the Spider-Man gets pulled into the Secret Wars. <laughs> I thought that would be the notable moment until I read that. Eddie, uh, I have us covering, by the way, the Secret Wars. I also want to mention, that's not going to be an easy fit because the Secret Wars is 12 books long. Uh. And it runs concurrently at the same time that Spider-Man's three books are out. So Spider-Man's going to be appearing, Eddie, in four different books on the newsstand at the same time. That does not even include Marvel Tales, which is running. Wow. But I want you to... I'm saying this because I don't think you... like. You have to understand that the 12 issues of The Secret Wars that take a year to come out all happen between Marvel Team Up 140 and 141, if that makes sense. Woo! That's a lot of issues that Spider-Man's in. Wow. But do you understand that like, when the next issue comes out for Marvel Team Up... Yes. They're just like, The Secret Wars are over... But we haven't read them yet. Oh no, I didn't get that. So it happens.
1: Okay. It's like happens the next month.
0: Wow, we're going to be podcasting very soon, and we're going to be like back from the Secret Wars, and I'm going to say, <laughs> "What do you think happened?" And You're going to be like, "I have no idea," and I'm like, "Neither, neither did anyone else at the time because only right. issue one had come out." Right. So, uh, but that's why he's going to get his his suit in the Amazing Spider Man book before he gets it in The Secret Wars, right? Because he gets... Although the origin of the suit happens in The Secret Wars. So what's the first appearance? 252, but also it really... The you know the true origin is it happens first in The Secret Wars. Jeez. So go figure that out.
1: Wow. Well, also, speaking of Matt Murdock knowing who Spider-Man is, uh, while Spider-Man is hunting for the gun that killed the shop owner, he realizes Natasha has information that only Daredevil could have given her. And he's like... Matt Murdock's Daredevil? No way! That, that can't be possible. But he does make the connection. Really, like he knows who Daredevil is, too.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Daredevil, uh, Ben Urich introduces Matt and Peter. Did you see Ben Urich walking around in the book for a bunch of times? Oh, vaguely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's the Daily Bugle reporter. He's the old guy who like. Oh
1: yes, yes. He's caught. He like cough cough. He's, yes, been he's the. coffee
0: time. He is a linchpin character. He is the uh like, you know, he's the Joe Robbie and the Ned Leeds of the, you know, of the other of the Daredevil world. So, oh. he is important. In the MCU though, he's only in the Netflix show Daredevil, oh. which he's actually killed by the he's killed by the Kingpin, like, who isn't, right? right? But I have no idea about um, him in the books. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he could die of lung cancer in the books. So I really have no idea. So, <laughs>
1: Well, I guess we'll we'll find out about them soon. <laughs> what would you think of these three books? I really liked uh, the first one and the third one in a big way. It, it was super exciting. Well, in this book we just read, to see that somebody knows who Spider-Man is and vice versa for Daredevil. And then... He disappears into this spacecraft at the end. So many things happen, like you said. And then the first one, we didn't mention it, but Sandman had a very long conversation with The Thing about how, you know, he's been maligned and that he wants to stop being a criminal. Um, it's in another Marvel Tales or something like that. The actual no, it,
0: it's in... Well, the thing has his own Marvel team. It's called 2-in-1s.
1: Oh, Marvel 2-in-1s. Thank you, James B. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, that's some major character development for Sandman. And I got to say, I mean, I i have I have a soft spot for Sandman, particularly since he's come around here and he's kind of a good guy now. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him in the future.
0: Yeah, I'm not aware of him making a full uh, good guy turn the way that the Gladiator did. But mm-hmm. we'll, uh... then again, I'm not aware of a lot of things pretty soon. I'm getting... I'm in the part that I've read, and pretty soon we're going to get right to the other side. I'm going to be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I barely know what's going on now, because I did read these books you know, 40 years ago or whatever. True. But something I am aware of, Eddie, is our sponsor.
1: Oh, how could we forget? Let's hear it, James B. Do you know what the sponsor is today? Um. Uh, well, is it, are we on... This is not Tink-Bop Toys. Jeez. It we're... is Tink-Bop ah. Toys. <laughs>
0: And you know that, Eddie, because you love toys. (laughs) And the Tinkerers gathered three Marvel Team-Up... Look, they're just... They're villains. (laughs) Okay, that's okay. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, the Sandman made a change. These guys can make a change, too. And they've designed the newest line of Marvel Team-Up action figures. Monster creator Baron Ludwig von (laughs) Schumpf, the robot creator the Mad Thinker, and the Puppet Master have lent their expertise to create the toys kids want to play with and collectors want to collect. This 20th set... Wow, you must... (laughs) Must have a big shelf of toys at home, Eddie. Has three figures from this classic run of books from the start of 1984. (laughs) From Marvel Team Up 140, reporter Ben (laughs) Urich. He's not a villain? You said he was going to be a villain. No, the guys who make the toys are villains. I I usually say villains are experts. But if you're looking for villains from Marvel Team Up 139. The robot. Actress Julie Winston.
1: Man, <laughs> but she doesn't look like a villain. She, you're gonna, there's gonna have to be a whole story if you're gonna play with Julie. All I really right, really try
0: to glam her, glam her up too. Well, you don't have to buy this set. I mean, what's the big deal, right? I and so. from Marvel Team up 138 premium figure Montana. Hey, there you go, James B. A villain everyone
1: and anyone can enjoy. He's the most interesting enforcer for sure. <laughs>
0: Hard to disagree that he's not the most interesting. Unless you're considering Henry Hammer or the other guy they brought in. Henry Hammer with his metal gloves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like how we've tried to make a point of making sure everyone understands the villains in our podcasts a little better that appear so often. And then... <laughs> completely <laughs> neglecting the name of We the don't abortion. even... Not only do we not go over the, the ones we haven't seen in I don't even know how many books, hundreds of books, but we don't even talk about the two new ones.
0: No. No <laughs> reference to Fancy Dan or the other two guys. Yeah. What can we do? Let's let's close the podcast and we come back after the little music. Let's talk about what's going to happen tonight, how our listeners have an opportunity to actually hang out with us for realsies. Okay? All right. So, Eddie, uh, how could people reach us?
1: Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us over
0: on Twitter at let's read spidey. That's right. That's if you want to reach us, not live. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, you can add as many crooks as you like to the enforcers, (laughs) but Spider-Man will never have a problem defeating them. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, Eddie, let's try to explain this. Okay. You're looking at your phone right now because you've been listening to our podcast. Right. right? Or you're doing it online. Okay. There are little links. Like, it says a summary of what this thing's about. And then it has, you know, it says um, theme music by Jeff Keniston. This episode edited by James B. And summaries written by Eddie. You know, it has all that stuff in there. Okay. But see, if you keep scrolling down, there's a thing here. It says, join our Discord channel and chat with the hosts and other fans by using this link on Discord. And there's a link. To join the Discord channel. All right. And then it says, check out our annual live meetup here. Now, it's always the fourth Monday in <laughs> July. <laughs> a prominent Easy day. To Very prominent. That's right. That's right. Well, Eddie, it actually acknowledges it's just before our two year anniversary. Oh, it's kind of like, right. in a way, it's the last episode. And then the next one we record is actually the start of our third year. I see. You know what I mean? So, so that's how we have it set up. There. But, it says, check out our annual live meetup here. And you click that link and there's a, a Google document, Eddie. And in that document, it has the link for tonight's. You can you can see like what Eddie really looks like. and People are like, wow, that's what Eddie looks like. Oh, my God. I thought he was so much better. You, know? you can <laughs> yeah. see uh, other listeners and you can be like, hey, there are actually like other people who listen to this show. It's true, uh, you know stuff like that. Some of our some of our listeners are people who appear on the show as well. So you might be like, oh, I remember hearing that person talk. Yeah. And so Eddie, it's also kind of like a shareholders meeting that we talk about. Hey, here's some ideas we have. What do you guys think about this or that? And people can give us some input because, you know, it's we're doing this for you guys. If you guys are all like, this is dumb, we're not going to listen. Why are we doing this, right?